Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. Uh, this is number six, I think, of Amon's Tables. I'm joined by the regulars and Phil, who's not behind the bar anymore. Yeah, it's a funny line. How's it going, Phil? First time, first time on the mic in a while. Yeah, it's nice to finally be able to sit down and enjoy a pour instead of uh, giving them out for everybody. But no. going to the Bucks game tonight? Yep. Definitely. No Bucks. Fear yeah. the deer. Oh yeah, Deer District, baby. <laughs> All right, we got. We're, we're joined by the other regulars. We got Chris, Amon, John. Bill slash Wes and Dan, who's going to sit here with his arms crossed the whole time, probably. (laughs) Dan just got back from a trip to uh, Kentucky, to Georgetown. So our first topic is going to be Heaven Hill getting rid of their six-year-old. That's what I heard before we started. What's everybody think about that? I mean, they just, that was their, their bottled and bond, what was it, seven they just came back out with? Yeah, well, getting rid of the green label six-year-old, that was just inevitable. You're talking about a $15 bottle for a liter. I mean, those are going the way of the dodo. Lamond, you don't get any of those here, so you don't really have an opinion about it. I really don't have one. It doesn't really matter. Discontinue one. They'll come up with two new things people can't have. That's what this market is. Anybody else? He's got a mic down there, too. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's like mellow corn. Who cares? It's a good thing I brought this topic up. Yeah, this is a riveting topic. Well, I think the, the Everyone... thing with this topic is, you know, actually having an opinion about this, is with the new opening of the Heaven Hill Visitor Center, I think that they're they're trying to save, you know, if you had that at the Visitor Center only at a little bit higher proof, you could sell it for $100 a bottle versus the 15 that you get it or 12 you get it at the shelf. Um I think the problem that you have is all of us who have taken multiple trips down to Kentucky, what you're finding is when somebody asks me, hey, what do, when I go down to Kentucky, what do, what do I buy? And, and everybody thinks they're going to find you know, these crazy things on the shelf. And I tell everybody when you go down to Kentucky, the things you look for are shelf, bottle, and bonds. It used to be the old white label, bottle and bond, he- Heaven Hill. Then it was the sixth year amongst you know some of the other great, Cheap bottles is what you find. You're not going to find the heavy hitters unless you want to pay for them. What you're going to find is amazing shelf, bottom shelf bottles. T.W. Samuels, J.W. Dan, J.T.S. Brown, great four or five year bourbons for $12 and bring back cases of them. Evan Williams, B.I.B. Exactly. Well, and, and the other way to kind of look at it, though, too, it's sad to see these high quality, cheap, bourbons go away but at the same time how many people are really out there drinking a ton of jw dant and uh and heaven hill six uh, like green label and that sort of thing like people have them and they throw them in cocktails but no one's bringing them to a party like oh look what i just got today people want the more expensive stuff i think the new people do but i think part of what has always been so amazing about bourbon is the fact that you can buy bourbon that's really good for $15. Whether you want to mix it in, into an old-fashioned, whether you want to drink it neat, you can find really, really good bourbon yeah, for and, really and cheap. that's still going to be there. Like, yeah. Four Roses Yellow Label is not going anywhere. I like it. But, I mean, Heaven Hill had 13 of those. I mean, at some point, they got to start stop having 13 bottom shelfers and support some of their top shelfers a little bit more. All right, well, since that wasn't a very uh, lucrative topic, let's move on to something I'm very uh, 
interested in talking about the new phenomenon of adding honey to shelf bottles or stag junior wasn't shelf but mostly shelf bottles it used to be stag junior was the first iteration of this somebody adding honey to it at home or aging in a honey barrel and then re-waxing it with honey or beeswax or i don't even what stuck it up his butt with warm hot wax um and now we've got two more iterations of that with uh, old forester and uh what was the other one McKenna, right? Henry McKenna, B.I.B. Have you all seen either one of those? No. Who's doing it? Is this the LFG guys that are doing this? Well, Cal Scofflaw did the uh, Old Forester out of Saw. Okay. And the other one was from dude I'd never seen of before, and we started making fun of him on uh, Bourboner, and he got mad, said he was a beekeeper. And the, the Weller reps have told him how delicious it is. I was like, what's a Weller rep? When did Weller get reps just for Weller? Excuse me, it's Buffalo Trace. Oh. Hey, guys, I don't know if this is a news flash, but if you add sugar to something, it makes it taste good. It's incredibly smooth this way. I mean, Surprising. Like, I can't imagine why we put crap loads of sugar in pretty much everything that we eat. Well, it's mostly just speaking of the new wave of taterism. Well, Throwing something in a barrel and then adding beeswax to the top and charging twice what you paid for it. So are, are they the... dumping m- lots of bottles into like a honey barrel, or yes, are they just a barrel that had aged honey before? They are dumping bottles, sort of like I mean, it, well, distilleries do. Just like Starlight Honey or Bellmead Honey, but they're just buying uh, cases of shelf bottles and dumping it into a, a honey barrel, and then re and then refilling. In this case, Scout Scufflaw had it in three seven fives, and he was charging one hundred fifty dollars for a three seven five and a thing of honey. In that case, I don't know who's done. I mean, like <laughs> the person that did it or the person that bought it. Well, the I person mean, that buys it's the dumbest, but yeah, the person so. that did it's just feeding into the phenomenon of idiocy. Ugh. I'm glad y'all are very active participants in this podcast. I just that one really just baffles me. Like I, I don't know. I mean, I could see somebody wanting to to do it. Wes is see. over here reading articles on his phone. He's ready. For He's getting next, ready for the next topic. Next topic. He wants to come in hot on the next one. <laughs> but I, I don't like. I yeah. You add a bunch of sugar to to some. It's gonna it's gonna have a good flavor. I just don't know why anybody in the world would spend one hundred and fifty dollars for a three seven five of it. That's because the new dummies in the in the market are buying stupid shit and they keep doing it and that's what keeps driving people to do the same dumb stuff. Oh yeah. I mean it worked. <laughs> <laughs> he sold it for hundred fifty dollars for three seven five. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so coming from the perspective of being in the industry, I've learned that most people like sweet and fruity. Yeah. And you I think you're seeing a lot of people now getting into the whiskey game. I mean the only reason I really got in was because of you guys and I'm sure there's you know, a ton of people now getting in an industry. Those more people that are newer to this are going to like more of those sweeter, lighter, easier drinking bourbons. And I could see that a way to just pump the price up. I agree with that part of it. But the thing is, is who is the imbecile that's paying $150 for a 375 of old Forrester that's dumped into a honey barrel? It's an investment, man. It's an investment. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of people you got to remember that don't get the allocated bottles. They look at all around social media all day, changing hands or someone 
scored one or two. They want to belong to something. They want to do something unique. And this is the only thing they can find sometimes, and that's what they're doing. Belong to a group. Yeah. yeah but- belong to a group. There is certain... I mean, they call it an echo chamber or whatever. But they get certain feedback, which is great. Now they belong to something. They can have some drinks with some people, talk about something, be a little exclusive. I think that's all it is. Like you right, talk about like this bottle that's stuck Community up. of taters, yes. Like you <laughs> talk about a bottle that was stuck up a bee's ass and pulled right. back out. That's vulgar. Yep. That's what this podcast is about. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. This podcast can be found on Pornhub. <laughs> I'll probably get a lot more listens that way. Let me get my shots after this podcast. What's OnlyFans? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, next topic. Uh, we, we had an article that was published today that Wes is now an expert in because he just read it. Yeah. It's called, has uh, single barrel store picks jumped the shark? Is that what that's it was? That's what it's called, yeah. What was the gist of it? Give it to me. Um, so basically it was this guy that's like, oh, I'm, I've been in this for so long. I'm so cool. Look at all these like old barrel picks that I had in the early 2010s. And uh, now, like everybody that does what I like to do, doesn't uh, doesn't deserve to like it because distilleries are selling more. That's a hot of these take. Single barrels. <laughs> Sounds like everybody on Bourboner. Yeah. Everybody who posts on Bourboner. It was it was a bot article writ by Bourboner. Yeah. So it was it was like okay, obviously distilleries have less and less old product. So when more and more people want old product they start segregating their rickhouses they're like all right we can give away these barrels and if people like one they'll buy it if not we'll never offer them another barrel again it's like okay cool they're just capitalizing on the popularity of bourbon and then people that have had the opportunity to go in and pick any barrel that they like without any like here's the three samples we gave you which one do you want without having to do that there's uh you know they're they're coming from a time where they were spoiled without realizing it. Well, I think that also the basic point of the article though was is that years ago, people that were doing barrel picks did it because they wanted to. They liked bourbon. They were wanting to find for sure. They wanted to find their own thing, and they weren't competing with. There were also a lot less um, enthusiasts. Yeah, they weren't competing with a thousand different stores to get that barrel pick. So. They had better options. They had older. They had older. They were able to kind of comb through it a little bit better. They built relationships better. Now, barrel picks are a big thing that everyone and their grandmother does. Most picks are probably done on a three-sample pick, if that. A lot of times, especially the big box stores, just get shipped a barrel that says, oh, well, here's your pick kind of thing. And the big distilleries aren't able to go through and handpick kind of, okay, well, these are the ones that should be single barrels anymore because they're literally doing thousands of them. Right. I mean, and, and so to an extent, I agree with the article. Yeah, barrel picking has jumped the shark because everyone and their mother is doing them. That said, it doesn't mean that there aren't single good single barrel picks out there. I think that we as a team have done some pretty fantastic ones i would also say that a lot of them we do are i mean perfunctory we have to yeah they're they're kind of like a lot of the other picks that are out there of that brand they're not we get three samples we try them all we pick the one that we think is best do you think 
Do you think as uh, age gets lower on these, you have to rely on people that are, have the ability to pick younger barrels? Yeah, but at the same time, though, it's all or about be more palette, though, too. It's I about mean, luck of the draw 95% of the time. doesn't matter what palette you have. Well, uh, it's, sometimes it's about access, too. I mean, yeah, in, you, in some cases, most people go to Jepson's, they get the five that they get and they don't get anything else. You all go and you get to run the brick house. Right. Or if I go to Smooth Ambler, you get the what they roll out, but I can Maybe go back some, and try something yeah. extras. I mean, right. It's a little bit about that. And it's a little bit about people are OK with being choosy and not just taking it to take it. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the things that I was saying on Facebook earlier today, too, is that like. The, how good a barrel pick is or a team of people picking barrel picks depends upon a lot of things. The first thing is how much effort do you put into it? There's a lot of stores and a lot of groups that just don't put effort into it. They just get it shipped to them. Uh, sometimes they get lucky. Sometimes they get like just average stuff. Uh, then the other thing, there's a, a big kind of luck thing. Like if you get three good samples, then you're going to get a good pick. It smells like Band-Aids in here all of a sudden. <laughs> Well, I think the big thing that I, I got from the article is, you know, five, six, seven years ago, there weren't a lot of people doing picks. So when you when you got got one, you saw one, you knew that it was something pretty special because they were all getting the run of those Rick houses. You know, now everybody's got one, and, and you just got to be more choosy. Like assuming that a store pick is better than a shelf bottle five years ago was probably a guarantee. Now it is no longer a guarantee. You, you should be, you know, finding a store that agrees with you. That typically their picks agree with your palate, and, and you really stick with them. It, it's not. I mean, I think some people jump the shark. Like we were talking about on the previous topic, if you know there are people putting ninjas on the top of their label with wax. I mean, that stuff has gotten crazy. But the actual picking penguins. But the guys, you know, picking the penguin the bar- strikes again. Yeah, guys picking barrels. You know, you just got to be careful more than it. I think it's maybe jump the shark. Well, back in the day, the barrels were being picked by true enthusiasts. And the distilleries had plenty of stock and they loved selling barrels. They didn't have people who would come buy barrels because bourbon wasn't popular. Simple as that. And once it got popular, barrels are being allocated they're playing exactly the same game. People want it. We have it. Every store asks for barrels. I ask every day of any whiskey that I like mildly or it sells well. Because there's, you know, as an enthusiast, as a businessman, you have to do that. And they give you an allocation. There are certain I would not ever ask for, but I'll take it because I know it's going to sell. Is it going to be good? It'll be average, just like the other stuff is on the shelf. And the, Mr. Goldfarb, who wrote this article, also is an enthusiast. And his perspective is often enthusiasts. And it all had the negative light on more access for these barrels for more people, the way he wrote it. From my perspective, this is just where the market is. There's, there's way more people buying and drinking bourbon now than there was in 2010. Exactly. Um, you know, so there's going to be more of each segment of drinker, enthusiasts included. And, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, there's... Um, it just it read like pessimistic and elitist. Elitist is probably a good a good word for yeah. it. Yeah, um, he's probably you, in seventeen A nine. And if Wes or, knows anything about elitist, T five C. Yeah, um, 
Wes doesn't know anything about elitism. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> he knows a lot about All tacos, right. I heard, though. Yeah. Tacos. Taco and, club. Tacos and bougieism. <laughs> hey, look who I, uh, look where I stopped in Nashville to eat. You should have gone somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> if you can go to Arnold's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, we're at 20 minutes, so we're going to move on to, well, we're probably at like 17 because the first three was just us talking. We're going to move on to the uh, tasting portion of the podcast this time. We're going to do two Starlights. We're going to do the mythical five-year that was just released, and we're going to do the... That's the rye, right? Yeah. The Amon's five-year double-oaked that was just released. Bourbon, yes. We're starting off with the rye. Chris, what do you think? Are you you still... Oh, you haven't drank it yet? You already drank it? I drank it it earlier, but I need to try it again. Dan, what do you think? Dan's over thinking about chili reheating it. (laughs) Well, Dan's stuck like Chuck. I do remember tasting it. Like we went down there to pick in January, and we saw the mythical tag on it, and we wanted to try it, so we did. And we ended up picking a, a, a very similar barrel ourselves. So it, it's definitely got a that two char level has kind of a nice flavor on it. And I mean, like this isn't going to be like one of your MGP ninety five five rye. It's probably a little bit more of a bourbon drinker's rye. But it's a solid bottle. Come on. It's a wonderful whiskey, sir. Um, it's I do not, not as sweet as I remember it. I'm getting plenty of sweetness off of it. That low char sugar extraction, I mean, it all shows in it. It drinks like a bourbon for sure. It to does. Me, yeah. With some rye notes. Um, I was going to say, I mean, it does not have that. Starlight can be a little grainy, malt grainy. This does not have that. Better watch out using the word grainy. You mean corn forward. <laughs> That's Isn't that right, I mean. Wes? Yeah, grain's a texture on it. <laughs> yeah, come on now. Did you not read that Facebook post? I verbed it. You can verb grainy. I know you can verb grainy. You need to speak to that douche on Facebook. <laughs> what do you think about Wes? It's really nice. It's uh, a lot of oak, and it's not minty. It's not like green rye I wish it's it was like minty. caramel rye um it's got a nice citrusy finish like the kentucky rye from indiana like kind of like orangey <laughs> and um not not piney or minty necessarily but it has like a nice uh, citrus fruit quality dan said it was delicious i just it's a bourbon drinker's rye dan dan's on it dan's on the podcast we can put his name right. on it now what do you think about chili? <laughs> He's reserving. You like Skyline? Right. Hell no. Actually, Skyline's pretty good. I did stop no. and have it yesterday. And away no. Away. Skyline. You enjoy Coney's? No. No? No Coney's? All right. If, you, if you're going to do noodles with chili, you go to freaking real chili here in Milwaukee. Sorry. We're, <laughs> we, we had chili dogs. Skyline is great for chili dogs. Too sweet. Anyway, so we should get back to bourbon. And whiskey. No, I like this discussion about chili dogs. We've had too much bourbon and whiskey speak already. All right, we're moving on to the double oak. This is five years, 112.4 proof, double oaked, finished in a secondary oak, French oak. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I mean, unsurprisingly, being a double barrel, uh, it's got a really strong kind of oak presence on it. I mean... 
I mean, and it's still got kind of that bourbony sweetness that you get with a lot of the kind of the Starlight thing. I mean, it's not super old. This is a little bit older than a lot of Starlight you get in that it it spent five years in its first barrel and then about eight months in the second barrel. So, I mean, it's getting pretty close to six years. I mean, when a lot of those things are about four and a half. So this is a solid bourbon. The finish, the finish stuff when it's blended is most of the time four and a half. So yeah. five, it gets an extra six months in it. <laughs> What do you think, Amon? Amon's rocking his Amon's t-shirt with the uh, tight sleeves and. Yep. I need new shirts. Yeah, he needs to uh, like start like letting people have those shirts. These shirts are from five years ago when I opened this store, and uh, I don't have any. And you left. weren't here then, Chris. All right. Exactly, and now. I'll be getting some new stuff. Like someone provided Glens for people. Apparently, two of them have already been broken. We don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Wes, what do you think? Um, I think it's it's nice. Um, I don't like it as much as some other picks, but um, I tend to not like the finished Starlight products. I tend to like their single barrels more. Um, I just don't. I don't know if I buy the whole. Uh, batched bourbon finished in casks necessarily unless they're like really interesting casks and these are these are good like french oak casks but they're not like doing what i want them to do they're not like you know armagnac that's sitting for a really long time on the nose i get the oak palate it's got more death than your normal single barrels Get a little chocolate. The finish sort of drops off a ledge, though. It stays on the tongue. It's too tannic. I get a it's decent like finish. I mean, with all that oak, you get like a, kind of a decent finish. I guess I it's so. not really long, but it's not deep in the like throat. Oh, you're, okay. You're saying it's not deep in it the throat. Like a coffee I mean, yeah. finish oh, I, at the end. Which is <laughs> I can see that. In case you didn't hear it, that's what she said. It doesn't really go down like the esophageal. It just it, sti- it sticks on the back of the tongue, which means it's probably pretty oily. The extra cask probably helps with that. So it lingers on the tongue, but it's not like a huge finish down the down the uh, throat pipe. That's what she said. Yep. <laughs> Too late. I already used it once a podcast. It's a limit. One, that's what she said per podcast. Oh, you already used it? <laughs> yeah. You didn't hear it? No. It went down the. It's not long down the esophageal. That's what she said. <laughs> esophageal yeah. cavity. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cavity. Why do you got to make it weird? Yeah, you had to bring up cavities. Well, you can't say esophageal alone and not finish what you're saying. I can, can say th- whatever I want to. This is oh, not a podcast. I see. I see. It's like uh, cyber. <laughs> no, we're this good is at cyber. Just English <laughs> we're good <at> grammar. <laughs> <laughs> we call it an esophagus because that's a noun, and we can stop there. Right, I understand. Yeah, I don't worry esophageal about what. I'm with you. Yeah, we don't worry about grammar. Where are we going with this on this podcast? <laughs> we're drinking bourbon here. All we're right? talking about cavities. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to finish the podcast. Anybody got anything to say in closing? Peeper Family Reserve is really good. Oh yeah, yeah. The most exclusive release of the year. Uh, literally, only one bottle. Peeper Family Reserve. Phenomenal. Is it better than Nasif's? It 
has inspired many other family reserves. Yes, uh, there are several other famous <laughs> family reserves what out there. What a PC there way of putting it. That what people don't know is that the Peeper family reserve is really kind of the genesis, the genesis of <laughs> the that progeny. kind of phenomena. And they should all bow down. I mean, like the Van Winkles, who cares? Uh, the who? Yeah, exactly. The Van Who's? Should have called it Get a Get a Peck of Peeper. That thing out of Iowa. <laughs> what was the other name? Peeper Juice. Yeah. Peeper Juice. Peeper Juice is a great name. That's that brown peeper juice. We're really hoping <laughs> that batch two of peeper family reserve if will it's have brown, it's not, it's a larger good. kind of um, uh, blend, like bring more juice into it, and if probably brown, have a little bit wider down. distribution. Oh yeah, maybe and here then in call Wisconsin. Your UTI specialist. <laughs> All right, we're gonna close this podcast out. Until next time, enjoy your family, enjoy your pores. <laughs>